Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were beside the sea, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Father, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father must set his seal. Then they said to Jesus, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will be, never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a conversation about bread, but of course, as I was telling the kids, it's really not about bread at all. It's really about this. This is Greek. It's really, really, really important Greek. The most, I would say, well, almost the most important thing we hear Jesus utter. It says, ego a me, ego a me. It's Greek, and it means I am, I am. And it's what Jesus will say here in John for the first time, in the gospel reading, but he will say it seven total times in John's gospel. But today he says it for the first time, I am the bread of life. And this isn't just a metaphor. Jesus gets this from somewhere. He gets it from Exodus 3.14, where God the Father shows up in a burning bush, and God says it first to Moses in Hebrew, I am. In Hebrew, it is Heyah. When Moses asks God who God is, God says this, I am. Before there was anything, there was I am. And so when Jesus says it today, I am the bread of life, and when he continues to say, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the vine, he is saying, 
I am God's son. Before there was anything, there was I am. For us Christians, it means that Jesus is more than a spiritual leader, more than a prophet, more than a king. He is our divine Lord. But what I find more fascinating still is that God the Father and God the Son identify themselves not with a name, but with a verb. That is the form of speech I am is. It's a verb. We are following a verb, an action word, something that is doing something. And the folks showing up for their second helping of bread today in John's gospel don't quite get that just yet. They have been fed by Jesus, but it hasn't set their faith in motion. They haven't become verbs themselves. This is the crowd who just last week, as we heard from Pastor Weir's up here preaching for us, that were among the 5,000 who were fed miraculously by Jesus with five loaves and two fishes. And they ate their fill, but then they show up 12 hours in the mor- later in the morning just as hungry again. They've eaten the bread that satisfies the belly, but they have failed to eat the bread that satisfies the soul. And so Jesus says to them, you missed the sign. It takes both kinds of bread to be alive. So, it got me thinking. Thinking about a 2018 study published in the anthropology publication Nature Human, and it's about happiness. And this study revealed that happiness does not continue to rise indefinitely with income. The study found that once people, relative to their culture, have reached a level of income that satisfies their basic needs, according to that culture, more money does not increase that happiness. It levels out once they have reached their basic needs. And actually, after they have reached the basic needs, sometimes more income actually reduces happiness. So after we have what we need to survive, Happiness and meaning does not come from acquiring more bread, more income, filling our bellies more, so to speak. But once again, what I love about science is that it is just now catching up with Jesus. Jesus already knew this about us, and that is what he is saying here in John 6. A full belly isn't all you're going to need to live. We do absolutely need a full belly, right? Jesus is all about making sure everyone around him has what they need to survive. And he pushes us to recognize that as well. But having all of our needs met isn't all that Jesus is after for God's people. And when these people, who've missed the true meaning of that miraculous feeding of 5,000, come calling for more bread, Jesus tells them, do not work for that bread. Do not work for the bread that perishes, work for the bread that endures. The sign that Jesus has come into their lives to redeem them from death and the devil is not a full belly. They have missed the real miracle. Now, before we sit too long in judgment on these people for what they miss, Before we sit too long on these people who simply see Jesus as a food truck they need to follow, we have to be honest about ourselves. Aren't we also prone 
to missing what the miracle means, what the blessing means, the sign that Jesus is in our lives, working to shape and redeem these rocks, hearts of stone. Don't we sometimes look at the current level of blessing we have and say, I've been given this because I've done it right. Your nice house, your full pantry, your healthy children, your long life. Those are not signs that Jesus is at work in your lives. Those are all circumstances. And circumstances can and will change. And now I am preaching to myself here too. The things I have right now at this moment that I love and I give thanks for are not an indication that my faith is strong, that I am grounded fully in Christ, and that God has blessed me because I get those things, because I am faithful. That is prosperity thinking that is really great, but really useless when circumstances change and your blessings fall away for reasons completely outside your control. You lose the job, your house falls apart, your children do get sick, you fall ill. Your circumstances change. Jesus did not give these people a meal because he wanted them to count their blessings and appreciate them. I know that you have heard from me that an attitude of gratitude is great, and it is. But that's not why Jesus does the things he does. He gives them a meal because he's after something more. He is after their hearts. He is after hearts filled with the sort of faith that can endure a change in circumstance. The kind of faith able to keep going when the world closes in. The kind of faith that searches for light in the darkness. The kind of faith that reaches for neighbor even when our bellies aren't full. It's the sort of faith that asserts itself in your life. That's what it means to truly follow Jesus, to feast on the bread of life. Now, this whole sermon that I'm trying to get at, it made me think about last week. When I got the chance to come out there and sit in the pew and listen to the preacher, just like all of you guys, like I'm a normal person. Pastor Weirs was preaching, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to go sit out there, and I'm actually going to get fed the word. And so I go out there, and for the first two sermons, I was totally paying attention. But by the third service, my mind, sorry, Pastor Weirs, began to wander just a little bit. And I found myself just looking at things up here. And what I noticed was this sanctuary lamp. Okay, do you see this red lamp here? And I was like, oh, you know, I love the sanctuary lamp. It, it reminds us of Christ's eternal presence in this place. Isn't that great? And then after a few seconds, I was like, oh my gosh. Look at that giant black mark above it. That is just filthy. We're going to have to paint that. Doesn't it look awful? And that's the kind of thing you people are thinking about out there, aren't you? When we're preaching. <laughs> no, no. All I could think last week was we got to clean that up. But all I can think this week is, don't we dare. Don't we dare cover up that mark. Because that is exactly what Jesus is talking about this week. If we truly take Jesus into our hearts, 
like the bread of life he is, he is going to make a mark. He is going to leave a sign of his presence. His presence is not benign. It changes not only the color of the sanctuary wall, it changes who we are, how we live, and find our meaning and purpose and move in this world. Jesus doesn't come into our lives simply to fill these bellies with blessings. He comes into our lives to leave an unmistakable mark of his presence. Now, sometimes that mark is beautiful, and sometimes that mark hurts. It doesn't look real great. And when I was thinking about what that looked like, a, just the simplest little story came to mind, and it's not even really a story because it doesn't have an arc, but it's just what I thought of. Uh, I thought about Rich. Rich is a, a parishioner of mine from a former church. And earlier this year, his little brother Mark, I say little, but he was in his 60s. Mark was in his 60s, and he got really, really ill the beginning of this year with viral pneumonia, and it got into his heart and into um, his other organs. And for whatever reason, Mark, who was single, decided he was going to, he was done. He was going to give up, and he was going to die alone in his apartment. He didn't want any help. But Rich, his brother, my parishioner, kept calling and calling, and eventually he decided he didn't care what Mark said. He was going over there, and so he did. And he found Mark in his bed, not able to move. 6'4", 200 pounds worth of Mark, this huge, huge guy, was not able even to get out of this bed. It did seem like it was getting to be too late. So 75-year-old Rich reached down and picked up his brother, and hauled him to his truck and got him inside of it and got him to the hospital where he could be surrounded by his four brothers and sisters who love him and weren't going to let him be alone. And later that night, Rich could not move. He had pulled a muscle in his back, moving his brother. And it took weeks for that muscle to heal. Brothers and sisters, that is what it looks like to get it. To have the sort of faith in Jesus that pulls muscles, that leaves a mark in and on our bodies and in our lives. Sometimes it hurts, but that's what it means to follow a verb. We become verbs ourselves. And in some ways, we can hardly blame these folks in John 6 for not getting it. They haven't seen what we have just yet. They haven't seen the salvific love that Jesus will pour out on the cross for our sake. They haven't seen the empty tomb. They haven't read the stories of Jesus a hundred times and let them sink into their hearts week after week, which is what we do here because maybe if they had seen those things and heard those stories, maybe they wouldn't have had to ask, Jesus, what do we have to do? But they did ask, and what good news that is for us. Because we get to hear Jesus say something that we might need to hear after a week of living in a broken, twisted world that has left a mark. We get to hear Jesus say, I am 
the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we get to go back out there into whatever circumstances surround us and whatever circumstances surround the neighbors we are called to, and we get to know that we are held by something and someone greater than those circumstances who will never let us go. We are held, brothers and sisters, by the great I Am. Before there was anything, there was that. And there will always be that, no matter the circumstances that surround us. Thanks be to God. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.